The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. Today's show is going to feature an interview with a popular former New York Giants place kicker and Super Bowl hero, Lawrence Tynes. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, just a few uh, news notes, items, with things going on uh, with the Giants and, and here at, at Big Blue View Radio and uh, on our website, BigBlueView.com. Just wanted to uh, to touch on Monday night's national championship game uh, between Alabama and Ohio State quickly. Um, I know that uh, Giants fans are hoping and praying that the Giants will come up with a, a number one wide receiver this offseason. Obviously, looking at Monday night's game, Devonta Smith of Alabama with a tremendous game, Heisman Trophy winning wide receiver. Giants fans drooling at the possibility of getting Smith with the number 11 overall pick. Thing of it is, Giants fans, I wouldn't fall in love with Smith at this point. Uh, I, I have my doubts that Smith is going to be available for the Giants at number 11. Um, you know, we can spend the entire uh, offseason or the, the entire time between now and, and the NFL draft debating which guy would fit the Giants the best. Smith would be a wonderful addition to the Giants. Just don't think he's going to be available. I think it's more likely that the Giants have an opportunity at 11 to select someone like uh, like Smith's Alabama teammate Jalen Waddle or Florida tight end slash wide receiver Kyle Pitts. And, you know, we'll spend a lot of time breaking those guys down. Just wouldn't get my heart set on Devonta Smith being a, a member of the New York Giants. Also, wanted to touch base on the uh, the reports of ankle surgery for New York Giants offensive tackle Andrew Thomas. Reports are that this is an issue that that he dealt with uh, throughout the season and maybe even was known um, entering the the NFL draft. Um, You know, there is no surgery that's a a minor surgery, uh, you know, because 
you know, when, when, when you have surgery, obviously there's something to fix. So nothing is a minor surgery. Um, you know, unless it happens, they say, always say, unless it happens to someone else, but still, um, this doesn't sound like something that, uh, that Giants fans should really be worried about with, with Andrew Thomas. Sounds like he'll be ready. You know, if there's an off season program that begins in, in March, uh, which we don't know yet because of uh, the uh, the fluctuating you know COVID nineteen situation. We have no idea what rules the NFL is going to be playing under um, you know this off season. But but the, the Thomas situation is interesting. It's interesting to note that that he played through something all season long. But you know the reality of it is a lot of NFL players play through things all season long. They play through things all the time. You know, a lot of these guys are never, you know, completely 100% physically. Uh, just something to note with Thomas and, and uh, you know, to be aware of. But, but it doesn't sound like something that should be overly concerning going forward. Third thing I wanted to talk about before we get to, uh, to the interview I did with Lawrence Tynes is just some of the things that we've been talking about at Big Blue View with Daniel Jones. Lots of coverage this week of Jones. Um, you know, I had uh, Mark Schofield and Tony Rassiopi, both outstanding quarterback slash offense experts, on the podcast earlier in the week, and we talked a lot about Jones, a lot about the offense, a lot about Jason Garrett. Hopefully, you've had a chance to listen to that episode. If you have not, you know, please double back on whatever application, you know, whatever podcast format you use. You know, double back and, and check that out. I think it's worth your time. Uh, you know, both of those guys are tremendous at what they do. Dropped a lot of uh, a lot of really good insight, a lot of really good opinion. You know, Mark Schofield also did a uh, a lengthy piece on Jones himself. You know, for BigBlueView.com for the website, that's worth a read. You know, Chris Flum, Joe DeLeon, and and Nick Filato. You know, of uh, of Big Blue View also did a, a podcast earlier in the week having a a Jones slash Giants offense discussion of their own. That's also worth your time, so please check that out as well. Also, a reminder that at Big Blue View, you know we're rolling through uh, through position previews. You know, as I record this on Thursday, we've gone all the way through the offense. We will be starting the defense pretty soon, perhaps as early as Friday. So, you know, look forward to those. Double back and read the uh, the the offense previews if you haven't done that already. So, uh, you know, lots going on, even though it is the offseason for your Giants. We're, we're doing everything we can to keep you informed, to keep you entertained, to keep you uh, you reading and, uh, and discussing. Your, your favorite NFL team, which is, of course, the New York Giants. All right, Giants fans, with that said, let's, uh, let's, get, uh, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors at SB Nation. When we come back, I'll be talking to former New York Giants place kicker Lawrence Tynes. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world 
including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by a special guest, former New York Giants place kicker and current co-host of the Blue Rush podcast, along with Paul Schwartz of the New York Post, Lawrence Tynes. Lawrence, how you doing? It's been a while since we chatted. Uh, I'm doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been uh, it was kind of a fun year. Up, a lot of up and downs watching the Giants, but um, you know, I thought they got better. So that was the most important thing. But obviously, we'll get into it some more here as we. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we will. I gotta, I gotta ask you, a, I gotta ask you a place kicker question first, though. Okay. I mean, you, you, you told me you were a big proponent of signing Graham Gano. You know, yeah. but I mean, did. Did you think he could be that good? Um, he has, you know, he's shown some, he had a couple seasons in Carolina that were pretty spectacular. So it's just a matter of him being healthy. I mean, he hasn't been healthy for a couple of years now. And so to get him in our building and signed, you know, for the next three or four years is a big deal. And, you know, Paul, we did our season MVPs on blue rush and I actually picked Graham as one of my MVPs for the season. I, obviously there's a lot of, deserving players but they were only in games in the early to middle part of the season because of him offensively that that's true I mean he he was terrific and I got to talk to him a little bit during the season and you know and he, he's a, he's a great guy so so that that was that was kind of fun you know for me as well uh but but I gotta ask you did you ever get to run a pass pattern while you were an NFL kicker <laughs> I mean, I mean, they must not have noticed my wheels or athleticism, but I, I, the coolest thing I ever did was like, I, I, I ran one in, in, in the CFL. Actually, I threw it. Oh, um, did you? Yeah, we, we actually scored. So wow, um, it was more of a shuffle pass than it was a, but it was a cool play. The NFL, the, the coolest thing I ever did was I, I punted out of a field goal formation. Downed at the one, baby. Wow. When was that? So that was 2006 against – that was a Chief at the time. It was mm-hmm. the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. And we, were, we were killing them. And Herm, you know, we had went out there. It, was, it would have been like a 53-54, which I had had a really good game up until that point. So we wanted to put a 
you know, field goal, line up in field goal formation, punt it. We wanted to put that on film. So mm-hmm. we put it out there on film. And if, I could be wrong, but I think a guy named Jordan Black, offensive lineman out of Notre Dame, downed it at the one. <laughs> we'll wow. See, 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 this is this is what I love. I mean, you talk you talk to athletes and you know, guys have very specific memories of, of things, you know, that, that that might be obscure to other people, but really specific memories of, of things that happened during their careers. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that was a fun well, because you know, it's something that we didn't do a whole lot of. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but that's fun. But I, I saw you, uh, I saw you tweet something the other day about making what nine or 10 tackles in a, in your career in the NFL. I think I have 10. That's way, that's too low though. What about all the assists? I mean... <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, I saw this year and it can't be a good thing for the giants. I think Riley Dixon had five tackles on yeah, punt coverage. That's not a good thing at all. They started out really well. Special mm-hmm. teams. Mm-hmm. Real- well, uh, we can get to them right now if you want. I, sure. They, they started off really well, and it's what really what was keeping them in games. And then came, you know, some poor coverage units. The kicking mm-hmm. was fine. I thought Riley Dixon tailed off dramatically late in the season. I don't know what happened. Um, mm-hmm. He punted really well uh, early to mid-season. Graham was outstanding all year. Kickoffs were him, but I think they were doing something weird there with the pooch kicks and the. Um, and I don't know that he was fully healthy enough to be banging t- touchbacks all season. Yeah, but the overall units, I thought they let us down in the second half of the season. I, I did as I did as well, and and I think people don't understand when it comes to punt coverage. You know, there's two things. There's there's placement of punts, which I thought last year Riley Dixon was outstanding. First half of the year, I thought he was outstanding. And the other piece of that is is gunners. And it seemed like every week the Giants had a different pair of gunners out there this year. And 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 you know, and, and that can't help anything at all. Well, there was a free agent, and gosh, forgive me, I can't think of his name. Torres Achilles, maybe in training camp. Yeah, Cody Core. Cody Core. So mm-hmm. and he would have been a gunner, right? Is he a right. gunner type? Yeah. Right. And then, mm-hmm. But, you know, the units had Ebner. They had some veteran guys out there. To your point, that I don't think Riley punted as well. Now, it wasn't horrible towards the late party. It just wasn't up to his usual standard. And, and then the coverage teams let us down. And then, you know, you had a couple issues with uh, some fumbles there with Deion Lewis on return team. So, you know, Jabril Peppers was outstanding all year. Mm-hmm. Turning punts. I mean, if you, you know, the goal every time you return a punt is to get a first down. So 10 yards. And I, I felt like he exceeded that pretty much more so more times than he didn't when he returned mm-hmm. punts. Um, the kickoff return team, you know, we don't, you know, didn't really have a dynamic guy back there, Deion Lewis, but he had a couple of costly fumbles. Um, one of them was just bad luck when he got kicked. And, mm-hmm. but they did not really help us down the stretch, to be honest with you. And we obviously a team with, no margin for error. Right. You know, let's, so, I mean, let's talk about the, uh, the 2020 giants and, and, and how you feel about them, you know, coming out of the season, obviously Joe judge is right. Six and 10, you know, whatever happened, six and 10 is not a playoff team, nope. even though it, it, 
you know, it, 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 under the, the right circumstances, they could have snuck in. But, you know, John Mara talked about, you know, feeling like they're pointed in the right direction. And fans get tired of hearing it, you know, because the, obviously fans get tired of hearing it. We get tired of writing it. But, but it does feel like, at least to me, it feels like the Giants are in a better place than they've been you know, coming out of the last couple of, of off seasons, you, you feel the same way. I do. Um, and you're right. It's like giants fans are sick of hearing it. John Maris sick of saying it. Um, he made that point in his press conference, but if you're a real diehard giants fan, you know, that, that this feels different. It just, it, it actually, you just have to watch the game too. It just looks different. The, the effort is there. You, mm-hmm. They're not they're not that far away. You know, there's very few blown coverages or missed assignments. I mean, this team is is very, very disciplined. They do obviously lack a playmaker on offense or two outside. Um, I love Sterling Shepard. I, I thought he had one of his best years in trying times. Slayton kind of regressed. But if you really go back and look at the numbers, they're really not that far off. You know, the touchdowns were way down. Production-wise, he he put up about the same yards. It's really the expectation we had for him, right? Right. 50 yards as a rookie, eight touchdowns or whatever it was. He actually had more yards this year, I think, way less touchdowns. But, of course, people knew about him. And I always say that about NFL players is, yeah, you can always come in and and it's the Kaepernick, it's the RG3, it's the – you keep going down the list of players that come in and take the league by surprise and then – let me see if you can do it again. And yeah. that's where Slayton kind of got, you know, he saw the best corner every week. Right. Slayton's going to be a great player. He's just a two. Right. He's, he's a two. He's not, you know, he saw the best corner. He saw the coverage rolled in his direction. Yep. And, you know, for me, push come to shove. He's a fifth round draft pick that exceeded what you would what you would hope for in terms of fifth round production it's just if you're asking him to be a number one he's not living up to that standard because that's not what he is he's he's more he's more i mean to put it in in perspective of the lawrence tynes era giants he's probably more mario manningham than victor cruz at his prime yep and that's fair to say and God knows we need a one, right? I mean, right. Um, this team is starving for someone on the outside. And um, they they do offensively. So if we just want to work offensively, the def- defense is – I i don't really need to spend a lot of time talking about the defense. We all know they were good, better, good play. We've got some free agency issues. But offensively, I thought they took the most strides on the offensive line. I mean, from week two, three, four to the – 14, 15, 16, 17, that unit, Andrew Thomas, Lemieux, Gates, Zeitler, Fleming, and, and people gave Fleming a hard time. He he came in and did a pretty decent job for a right tackle. I mean, he didn't, you know, he didn't screw things up a ton, but listen, those guys get beat sometimes and it sticks out. But that offensive line, I think, is something they have to be excited about inside the building. You know, I, I, I would agree with that, and I think that – you know, when you look at the numbers, the first half of the season was really, really bad. Really bad. And, and and the thing of it is, 
the, the, the first half numbers versus, you know, if you go to pro football focus and look up the analytics and the sack numbers and the grades and all those things, which, you know, which, which players don't want to hear about. And, you know, and I know coaching staffs grade differently, but it's clear that the second half of the season was much different. And I throw out the Arizona game. You know, I throw out the Arizona game when Daniel Jones was, you know, I, I will still argue with Joe Judge that Daniel shouldn't have been playing in that game because my point with Joe and and I think a lot of other media, you know, made the same point. He said for two weeks he wouldn't put Daniel out there if he was a a sitting duck and be unable to defend himself in the pocket. And he put him out there when he was a sitting duck who couldn't defend himself and he, and he got killed. <laughs> but, yeah. but the point about the offensive line is really aside from that game, I thought they played really, you know, largely played really good football the second half of the year. Cam Fleming included Andrew Thomas yeah. included. Um, so uh, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, I, what's your thought on Andrew Thomas? I mean, I know everybody goes, Oh, he didn't have as good a year as Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills and Mackay Becton is some kind of a monster. And, you know, I, I I love the kid. I think the kid's going to be a really good player. What are your thoughts? Really good. Outstanding. He's uh, you can tell he, he got better. He saw some dudes early in the season too. And I guess he just had ankle surgery yesterday, a little cleanup deal, but yeah, I don't know what that's about. That's we didn't we didn't hear about that all year, and you know, I guess one of the got it. It's probably just some you know cleanup. It's I, I shouldn't say I don't ever downgrade a surgery, but obviously mm-hmm. he played all year, so it's not right anything that we should even be worried about. But um, you know, he played outstanding. I thought he got better and better and better as the season went on, and he took a lot of heat, and rightfully so. He's the fourth pick of the draft, but. Um, he, I thought he was good. You know, the, 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 everyone's going to compare him to Becton, and, and Becton was in and out of the lineup. And then the kid, Werfs, he plays right tackle. I always said, you know, Werfs plays the JV spot. Andrew plays the varsity <laughs> spot. And it's a different yeah. answer. You know, that it, it, yep. it, it, he's playing for Tom Brady, too, who typically gets the ball out in two right. seconds. And, you know, right. so I really like Andrew Thomas's availability. The only time he missed was when he was suspended for that half, I guess, give or take, early in the year. Right. He was late, late, but he played every snap, right? I mean, I right. had a pert, pert coming in and taking some reps, but Andrew Thomas never missed for injury. Right. And I think and, that's important to get that group together for basically 16 games they played. And I mean, I, I, in reference to Andrew Thomas, there's also two other things. I love the kid's maturity in terms of the way we, you know, when we talk yeah. to him, especially at the end of the season when he, he said, you know, I don't want to hear about these other offensive tackles. I'm running my own race. I'm worried about myself. And the other thing that I keep reminding people is he is the youngest player on that football team. I didn't know that. He's 21 years old. He is the youngest player on that football team. Wow. I did not know that. Playing the left tackle spot, you know, and basically being left out there on an island. So, you know, I'm bullish on the kid's future. I think he's going to be outstanding. I mean, Mm -hmm. I – I really, you watch him and he really settled down with his footwork. Uh, he was a jumpy kind of a, he left his feet a lot of times early in the season. Um, and then obviously Colombo with a combination of Gooch and, and obviously coach judge, our offensive, our third offensive line coach. Um, 
assistant to the assistant. Uh, they got him right. And Lemieux came in and kind of settled things down. I, I guess the question for me is with the front offensive line is I think you got to keep Zeitler. I, I don't, there's just a component there with a veteran presence that you like. The rest of the guys are cheap right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if, if, if Hernandez is the answer to go in and play for Zeitler and you cut Zeitler, but they can figure out maybe you extend Zeitler and lower his cap number. Um, but I do like Lemieux over I like where they are. And right. if, if Pert comes back and I felt like the, the COVID kind of maybe took a lot out of uh, Hernandez and Pert. People forget Pert had COVID. Right. Um, and he yeah. never really came in and played well. After, after that. that, I think it's, you know, and it, and I, I did an offensive line review the other day and, and, I probably didn't hit on it enough. You you have to remember that he's a rookie playing part-time, working at two positions. And who knows what his physical state was, but maybe you can speak to this. As a rookie, the kid missed two weeks of practice in the middle of the season. Yeah. And, you know, and how, I mean, how, how difficult is that, you know, for, for a guy, you know, trying to play at the NFL level? Yeah, you talking about Pert? Or yes, Pert. Um, I, I think it was probably a huge challenge, and I don't know how bad his symptoms were. But, you know, they Miles Garrett was pretty open about, and even Lamar Jackson, they, they've, who've had it pretty severely, they talk about how it affected their breathing and coming back and conditioning. And, you know, being a big man like Pert, 6'7", 300 pounds, I mean, he that probably takes a lot out of you. So being out for two weeks, missing two weeks of reps, which you talk about, that's a lot of reps. And Mm -hmm. you miss those reps as a young guy trying to make it. And they just obviously he didn't play much down the stretch. And that has to be the only reason, unless there's Mm -hmm. an injury we don't know about. Um, And then Hernandez, I kind of put in the same category is, you know, the COVID thing kind of lost his job for him. In a weird Mm -hmm. way, I know it it didn't, but it did. (laughs) Right. Right. You ever been through anything like what the, like what that offensive line went through with, you know, and and we don't know all the all the behind the scenes reasons. We know what was reported, but you ever been through anything on a team like like the Giants with the mid season switch like that from from Colombo to to Googe? You know, I no, I I was thinking back in in my thirteen years of pro football uh, in the NFL ten. I I only played on one team with a losing record, so it was. I never really thought about that until someone asked me that a few years. I guess I had been on one team that was seven and nine. Hmm. Every other team was eight and eight or better. Hmm. And, you know, I just never had any discord within the locker room or upstairs with management. We never had a midterm, like, you know, midseason firing. But, listen, I respect the hell out of Joe Judge, and he's going to call a spade a spade and, and do his job. And you can tell the players love playing for him. So, I know a little bit more probably than most what happened. Um, I wouldn't share them on here just because, uh, but it is what it is. You know, it, it happened and Joe judge reacted. And if you're not on board bye. that's, that's basically his message. If he's going to do that to golden Tate for, you know, making a scene in front of the camera and calling out his quarterback, um, he's going to make the same statement with his coaching staff. So he's obviously consistent in his messaging. And I think, I think you have to respect that because he, he is, you know, he said clearly, you know, that he would hold his coaching staff to the same standard he would hold the players to, and, and he backed that up. And I think that can only build respect. He did, and that's um, 
that's all you want. You know, people, uh, we talk about Coughlin all the time and people ask you questions about him. And I, the most important trait he had was a, he was very, very black and white and demanding, but he, he was consistent every single, you talk to every player, uh, Antrell Roll, Eli or anyone who he was consistent. I knew what I was going to get every single day from him. I knew where to be. And so the consistent message that judge has, has, has delivered to this team. And obviously he has changed the culture. That's bigger than any X's and O's or any player walking in that locker room. He's changed the culture there. And I think Giants nation should be excited. Do we need to fix some stuff? You bet. But he has fixed the culture. Yes, he has. And, you know, just as a, as a quick aside, he got mad at me once this year too. Did he? He got mad at me. Well, We used to we used to talk about progress all the time. And, you know, Joe would every week win, lose, whatever. The conversation with Joe would always come back to progress. And after their late season three game losing streak, I get on a Zoom call with Joe and I said, Joe, you've been outscored the last three weeks, 73 to 26. How do you call that progress? And, and, and he didn't like that question very much at all. Yeah. Well, he didn't, hey, I'll tell you why he didn't. He, like he's, he's competitive, but he, he he knew there was issues. Right. He he didn't like that question at all. He he said, "I don't have to make a case." He said, "I just have to look at the film." Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but, but I, I mean, I, I I thought it was a fair question. You know, seventy three to twenty six is kind of lopsided. Yeah. But having said that, I think uh, he's right. He, he he is seeing progress, but of course, for us, seventy-two to wherever you said is not right. Um, but there's little things I think if people watch it as closely as maybe me and you do, um, because we have to talk about it. I saw it. I saw it. I saw the improvement from guys week in and week out. Now they had their lulls, but I'll tell you what: when the offense it, when the offense was bad, and listen, they were bad, bad all year. But when they were really bad in games. They had no shot. They had the defense, God bless them, was on the field way too long. But the offense in this offensive system, I wouldn't be, listen, I don't care. I wouldn't care if they got rid of Garrett. I wouldn't care. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that's even a a done deal yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if they move on from him. No. I mean, it's funny because I talked to a couple guys yesterday. I talked to, you know, Mark Schofield and Tony Rassiopi, who are quarterback guys that, that I trust. And, you know, Mark does a lot of work for me. And, and they both believe strongly that Jason should be back despite the struggles. But I think he'll pivot. I think Jason is a smart enough guy to figure out this shit didn't work this year, right? I think mm-hmm. he is. I, he's obviously – into, and we all like Jason Garrett. I mean, even when he was – he's a nice guy. But this offense this year, and if you watched it and you watched the All-22 film like I do, it just didn't utilize Daniel Jones' skill set. Or these – there's no pre-snap motion. There's just no bells and whistles. And if you watch any game this weekend, there's going to be bells and whistles. It was funny. I was talking on our show once, and maybe even to Bob Papa the other day, just on a phone call. And I said, Bob, you know what? There's – you know how every game you'll watch and you'll see just by simply sheer design – there's a player wide open just by design. You have somehow McVeigh or, you know, Shanahan or someone, one of these guys has confused the defense to a point where there's a free runner and it doesn't have to be for a touchdown. I'm talking about 
25 to 30 yards down the field. There is just someone – What do you remember a play like that this year for the Giants? Not many, not many. No, and this is this was the question that I have that, that hasn't really been answered. You know, we can all go to next-gen stats. We can go to pro football focus, and we can look, and we yeah. can say and, – and Tyke Tolbert was asked a gazillion times this year – why don't your guys get, you know, why do your guys rank near the bottom of the league in separation? And why do your guys rank near the bottom of the league in yards after catch? And, and the question for me is, is there something about the passing attack? Is there something about the passing scheme, you know, that's just not allowing these guys to, to, to be put into positions where they can create yards after catch? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, it's you know ball placement's a big deal. I the one thing I notice about this offense is, is there's just no rhythm. It, it it's like a play and then you know it's herky jerky getting to play in. It's herky jerky pre snap. It's herky jerky in motion. It just mm-hmm. it was never, there was never any rhythm or flow to what they did. Now Daniel Jones, listen, the jury's still out on him. I love him. I love his toughness. I know Joe Judge is 100% behind him, and, and I think I am too. I just don't see how he went from what he was as a rookie to this year and it not be about scheme. Because Pat Shermer, as we all know, is a great offensive coordinator. He's a great play caller. Wasn't a great head coach, but that you know Pat's a great guy. He, but he obviously got way more out of Daniel Jones. And, of course, Saquon was healthy last year. So – I think we got to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here and, and put some, another weapon on the outside. Hopefully Saquon comes back healthy. I, that injury still scares the bejesus out of me. Um, I don't like that ACL on a, on mm-hmm. Saquon. I just, it scares me. And so I do think they need to, and they will listen, Joe judges. We know him just through this past year, he's going to leave no stone unturned. He, they're going to have to do something different offensively. They were right pretty much dead last in every category right They're they're gonna have to use more motion they're gonna have to get daniel out of the pocket a little bit you know they're gonna have to they're gonna have to maybe it has to do with protection but but they're gonna have to get the ball down the field a little bit more often you know in in an offense that i think that was the big thing that was disappointing for me with with jason's offense this year was we came in expecting you know, Pat Shermer is good a play caller as he is. He's really West Coast based and a lot of his stuff a lot of his stuff is horizontal, which I think we we found out over the course of the year that that kind of stuff is actually maybe what a guy like Evan Ingram does best. I agree. But but you know, I always thought, oh, get Ingram down the field. And 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 it works sometimes, but but you're not using Evan Ingram really well when you're asking him to run a stick route that, you know, that just doesn't allow him to use his speed and and create some separation and get away from somebody. But that was the disappointment for me was that, that I think Daniel Jones threw through less downfield passes this year than he did a year ago. Yeah. And Evan is uncomfortable. Evan is, Evan is uncomfortable running those stick routes and, and hook routes and things in the middle of the field. He just, you can tell he's not comfortable. You put him on the outside. Like what I think of the route, obviously against uh, Seattle, the big play we had up the sideline. I mean, that's essentially who he is. Now you do want to get him the ball when he's running horizontally or maybe some shallow crossing routes, 
But again, early on, we just we just didn't have enough time. I mean, shot right. crossing routes take time to develop, and we just never had the time to throw them. And I and I think there was a point in time, and maybe it happened. You know, I, Daniel Jones got gun shy, and who who why who wouldn't? Um, he looks, you know, first couple two three games, and then you look at the next ten. I mean, he got hit so much. He was gun shy. His footwork started to slip a little bit. His accuracy started to slip a little bit. And he got more comfortable as the year went on. We put him in better situations. But guess what? The offensive line started playing better. So mm-hmm. I like Evan Ingram. I don't know that I like Evan Ingram for $6 million in cap space. Right. I just wonder, Evan Ingram is such a difficult decision for the Giants. Just because he's, he's been so up and down. And he's a, and you great. He's a great human being too. By and, the way. Oh, I know he is. I've talked yeah, to him a few yeah. times. But I just, I, I just wonder if, as you said, if, if part of his struggles with with the drops this year was was he would never really say it, but because he was asked a few times about the the routes he was asked to run and the things he was asked to do. And he would never really say it. He would just say it's different, but I wonder if some of the drops and some of his inconsistency was just his lack of comfort with what he was asked to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he, we had him on our show too. And I'm sure obviously you guys talk to him pretty much every other week. He, uh, very, very, um, He'll tell you his feelings. I mean, he's not afraid to say that I need to get better here or I need to get better there. And, and I think that is a great sign for a young player. Um, people, he doesn't hide from it. He recognized at the end of the year, he recognized, you know, maybe I need to do some mental work here. And um, mm-hmm. so I would actually love to get him in touch with like Tony Gonzalez and some guys I know, and, you know, Tony Gonzalez had a terrible time with the drops. I mean, his rookie year, they were ready to run him out of town here in Kansas City. I mean, he was bad, very bad. Mm-hmm. And, and Evan Ingram's not a rookie. I get that. Right. But maybe some focus, some – I don't know. Sometimes I think when you think about it too much, then it becomes an issue. And I, Evan Ingram, listen, he'll either figure it out or he won't. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it, he's a pro. I, I have a lot of faith in him. I just mm-hmm. hope he can fix the, the drops because – I think he was personally responsible, and I'm going to throw the Philly game out because that was just you know that was kind of a tough play. But there was opportunities in other games that he he cost the Giants points, mm-hmm. and I know he lives with that this offseason. He's he's one player, but I I I think he's going to respond next year. That's my if he if we keep him, I don't know that they're going to keep him for six dollars, mm-hmm. but maybe they right. can do him or. Yeah, I think he'll have a big year. I think he's he's still young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's interesting because he's he's been in the league four years now, but he but he's still a young man, and and you know you got to figure that out. Hey, I need to ask you. You know, we've talked a little bit about Joe Judge, and I need to ask you about Joe Judge and his comments about the the Eagles game and what happened with Sudfeld and Peterson and, and all of that. And I want to ask you for there, there there's two ways to respond to that. There's there's the Giants fan way to respond to that and there's the what a former player in a coach's locker room thinks when he hears his coach talk like that. So and I and I'm kind of curious for you, you know, about both reactions. I mean, as a player, you, 
you obviously hear that and you think that he's one of us because every player thought that same thing, but not very many coaches would get up there and say that. So as a player, obviously we, we all know they all respect Joe judge, but when he gets up there in front of the world and says, we will never do this and we will never play like that. Or, you know, that resonates in the locker room. Joe Judge is, is really, really good at doing things like that. He did it throughout the year, whether jumping on the football in the mud or, you know, even at the end of the season, he's still talking to his team through the media. Um, and that was a big deal. As far as Giants fans should be concerned, I mean, I get excited about it. I mean, he's got your back. He's talked about this city and this team is going to resemble the city and the people in and around the tri-state area that is very important to him and you can tell because it's not smoke and mirrors he's talked about it all season long and we can be proud of that the way they played this year effort wise and that's 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 the mark of that that area and he is he wants to build a winner he wants to the fans are just as much a part of it as 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 the players to him and he obviously has has built that messaging up with the players we're going to you know get out in the community we're going to represent this area and so as fans you got to love it I mean that's your guy if you if you have his back then he has yours and that's that's all you want as a player man I mean I think for him to do that was kind of cool I think Coughlin would have done the same thing you know he did do the same thing when we played Mm -hmm. the Patriots in 07 08 right nice um I know you don't have all day I could talk to you all day long um before I let you go I need to ask you, you know, one of the big questions for the Giants for the offseason is Leonard Williams or Dalvin Tomlinson. Are you a Williams guy or a Tomlinson guy? If if you're the GM and you can only sign one, uh, I, come on. <laughs> I got I to take the 11 and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I, gotta, I love Dalvin, too. I mean, he's young, homegrown, but um, – I just hope they don't make the Limbaugh Joseph Barry Cofield mistakes where they let these guys go and you're searching for them for a couple of years, but you can't, you can't replace 11 and a half sacks. Oh, you can't. Even if some of that was, even if, you know, even if maybe he's not a dominant guy that requires a double team all the time, that's going to get you those 11 and a half every single year. He's a guy that impacts the pass rush in a way that Dalvin doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Hey, why don't, um, you know, I appreciate your spending some time. Why don't you tell folks a little bit about, uh, about the blue rush podcast, which I, I don't know if you guys are doing that in the off season and, uh, and about where they can find you on Twitter and, and, and which your, your Twitter feed, by the way, is, is incredibly entertaining. I enjoy it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, just tell folks where they can find you and what you got going on. Yeah, thank you. Um, so uh, the pod is called the Blue Rush Pod. It's it's I'm co-host with Paul Schwartz from the New York Post. People love him. Some people hate Paul, but that's the good thing that drives radio. <laughs> I love Paul. He's funny. Paul's got a great sense of humor on the show. But our producers are Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory, and they both do an awesome, awesome job. We love them. So that's our squad. We drop twice a week during the season. During the off season, we'll do a show every other week. It seems like it depending on the news cycle. Um, we're not going to get together twice a week and, and do our show, but that's been a lot of fun for me to stay closer to the game and be involved mm-hmm. with it. Um, I'm at Twitter, LT four kicks, LT four kicks on Twitter and Instagram. Um, 
I, I am really active on Twitter during football season and then I go away. Uh, it's kind of my, you know, I, you tweet so much during the season. I love NFL Twitter. I call mm-hmm. it NFL Twitter because mm-hmm. it's just fun. People interact with you. You can mm-hmm. you know, respectfully disagree with people. There's a lot of great people on Twitter. It gets yep. a bad rap. Um, yep. You know, then the people just want to, you know, like cut your head off for, for no reason with no name or no twitter handle but um, <laughs> yeah I, I i get enough of that i stay away from it yeah i so. do too. i don't even engage but i appreciate you having me on and listen we can this free agency comes through and I'd, yeah I'd talk guys. yeah we'll, we'll talk more we'll break some things down and uh you know it's always always great to talk to you and you know we didn't even get into playoffs and and I know. past giants history just real quick real quick eight teams left which uh, team you got going forward which team which it. team reminds you the most of those teams that you played on with the giants let I'm me gonna, put it that way i'm gonna go uh nobody nobody really on the afc side we didn't have this but um i think the, the rams the, it's funny the rams to me have a defensive line right they get mm-hmm. to the quarterback. They have a corner. They have a good secondary. And when we did too, Corey Webster is not Jalen Ramsey, but um, and then they have a quarterback that's always been maligned. Jared Goff is, you know, at that time Eli was always questioned: Is he good? Is mm-hmm. he any good? That's what we're saying about Jared Goff right now. Can you believe that mm-hmm. we're saying yeah. that about Jared Goff? And I get it; comes with the territory. But I like that team. I, I like the Rams. You know, with Aaron Donald and Ramsey. Against the Packers. I, I, you know, I, I don't think they should be afraid. They're playing with house money. So, AFC-wise, right. I can't, you know, go against the Chiefs yet. I live here. <laughs> they're, they're good. I mean, I worry about them being off for three weeks, but they'll figure it out. All right. Hey, appreciate your time. We will uh, we'll definitely we'll definitely talk again. And, and folks, whenever the, uh, the, the Blue Rush podcast hits next, uh, give it a listen. All right. Thank you. Th- All right. Thanks, Lawrence. Take care. All right, bye bye. See ya. Take care. We're yeah, we're good. Some someday, someday you'll have to tell me more about uh, about Colombo and Googe. Oh yeah, yeah, I will. Off the record, of course, but you can tell me, tell me, tell me more. All right, talk to you. Bye. All right, Giants fans, that's our show for today. We thank you, as always, for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Rate, review, comment, you know, wherever you can. We always appreciate the feedback, you know, good or bad. Uh, we, We hear it, we see it, we listen to it. You know, we do the best we can to uh, to try to make the shows as entertaining and informative as, as we can for you. And, and your opinions, your feedback is always appreciated. Also, please follow us at Big Blue View on Twitter. Check out our Instagram page at Big underscore Blue underscore View. Follow us on Facebook. Check out Big Blue View on YouTube. So, you know, wherever you consume information... We have a way for you to do that through through a big Blue View channel. So please check all of those out. Also, Giants fans, please remember, stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.